Well, greetings, brethren, and welcome to another Wednesday night Bible study. Just uh, so happy to have you here with us this evening. God willing, we will cover um, Psalms 98, 99, and 100 uh, this evening. And uh, also wanted to mention that at the end of the month, the last Wednesday of the month, uh, God willing, we will have a Q&A, a live Q&A. We, we do get a lot of questions. First of all, I want to thank everybody uh, for your support. Uh, it's just amazing. It's remarkable. Uh, the letters, the emails, the phone calls, the text messages, the Slack messages, uh, the WhatsApp messages. Uh, there's just tremendous support. And uh, Pastor Murray and I just want to pass on our heartfelt appreciation to all of you for that support. It means a lot. We're on a path that... You know, we're not expecting to be popular. We're not expecting to make friends. In fact, we're on a path that we know is going to create enemies. It's going to create hostility because the, the heart of man is hostile to the Lord. And we intend to be faithful teachers of his word, come what may. Uh, and so it's just so um, heartening to uh, see the support and the love and, and the encouragement that we get from all of you. We also get a lot of questions. And uh, we want to honor those questions. And I just want to make it clear, brethren, that if we were to, you know, watch all the videos that you send us, read all the articles that you send us, um, craft personal answers to all the questions, uh, we just wouldn't have time for anything else. And both Maria and I, uh, we have full-time jobs. I run a business. Maria is a very uh, busy executive for, for the company that he works for. Um, and so everything that we do here in our ministry is completely uh, voluntary. We both have families. So we're doing our best. And I think the best way for us to answer your questions is when questions come in, that we answer them in, uh, you know, on this forum. Uh, so at the end of the month, uh, any more questions you have, submit them and uh, we'll answer them. And also in the live Q&A, you can submit questions via Facebook, YouTube, and also cgi.online.church. We'll pick up the questions live and just answer them in real time. Um, this evening, Facebook is not working, brethren. We've, we've got a problem with our, our technology interfacing with uh, Facebook. We'll hope to have that resolved. I believe we're still broadcasting on Facebook, but it's uh, through another channel. And um, we will hopefully have that fixed by the end of the month so that we can take questions via YouTube and Facebook. So all it means for tonight is I won't be able to post any comments from YouTube. Uh, sorry, from Facebook, just from YouTube. Uh, great news, brethren. I just want to pass this on to you. I just got a call, um, a voicemail just before coming on that one of the brothers that follows us, uh, his wife was uh, pregnant. He called me to say she went into labor and then he called back to say uh, they have a beautiful, beautiful baby boy. And uh, his name is Ezi, uh, short for Ezekiel. Uh, so rejoice with our brother in the birth of this uh, Beautiful, beautiful child of God, born into a godly family uh, with a great future. So let's uh, let's rejoice before God for that. And finally, there is one question that came to us this week, I should say last week, uh, which will just fit right into tonight's study. So I will answer one of the questions that came in tonight. And then please keep the questions coming and uh, just be patient with us and, and realize we'll uh, have to answer them publicly rather than um, personally. So let's open with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the study for tonight. Our holy God Almighty, we pause to come before you to praise your most holy name, Jehovah. Uh, we thank you, Almighty God. We are just so grateful that you have handpicked us 
and placed us in this body, placed us in this covenant community, and given us your great work to do, given us a part in your great work. We thank you for each other. Most of all, Father, we thank you for Jesus the Christ. We pray, God, for your blessing uh, upon your people. And just want to thank you so much, Father, for this new life that has come into the world. Uh, We thank you for blessing Ezzy to be born into this godly family. And we just seek, Father, your blessing upon the family and upon this new life. We praise you, Lord God. We thank you for everything that you're doing, that you do for us. And in the midst of all this confusion and chaos, we thank you for the stability in Christ. We praise you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, brethren, just uh, pardon me a second. I'm just noticing that uh, there's just a bit too much light on me, if you don't mind. I'm just going to uh, close out that light. So just give me. I think that is better. Okay, so let's uh, get into the scripture reading for tonight. And let me just do that. Call up the scripture. And we'll begin with uh, Psalm 98. Let's do that. Psalm 98. And it says here, a psalm. So Psalm 98 introduces it as a psalm. It doesn't tell us uh, who the psalm is written by, but it is part of this cluster of psalms that is celebrating the enthronement of our Lord. And so these are psalms of great celebration. It's quite interesting to see how as we opened the books, you know, Psalm uh, Book 1, Book 2, and certainly uh, by the end of Book 3, there was just so much lamentation, so much suffering, so much worry, and, and, and a question, where is God? Where is this God of Israel? Where is this covenant God? And now here in Book 4, we see despite all of this turmoil that Israel has gone through and all of this lamentation, The God of Israel has not forgotten his covenant. And every single thing that he has promised, every single thing that he has promised, he has made good on his promises to the fathers. So let's continue in this uh, celebratory uh, theme of enthronement with a psalm, Psalm 98. He says here, and uh, just pardon me for one moment. What's up, Just getting a note here that we're having a bit of an echo. Um, I'm just going to change the feed of the microphone, and hopefully that is better. Yeah, so I'm just looking at um, the cgi.online, or church.online, and uh, let me know there if you're still hearing the echo. I'm not sure why that would be the case. Uh, just let me know. Let me see if I can hear what's going on. Sorry, brethren. Let me just see what's happening here. So, yeah, there is an echo. Okay, I got it. I see. Okay. Let's change this. Where is this echo? Okay, I'm still hearing it. Okay, I think that, no, still there. 
Pardon me, brethren, let's sort this out. I don't want to have this echo. Just have to figure out where it's coming from. Still getting the echo. Let's see. Yeah, still there. Okay, I, I don't believe uh, you'll be hearing that echo anymore. I just managed to troubleshoot that. And uh, just so you know, um, one of the microphone, all the cameras have microphones built into them, and somehow uh, one of them switched on 
without me knowing and that's where the echo was coming from apologize for that brethren <laughs> so we're just we're learning we're trying to figure all this stuff out so that we can uh, serve you in the best way despite uh, the pandemic and the lockdown uh, let's begin our study in earnest now in psalm 98 a psalm and again this is celebratory it says oh sing unto the lord a new song why why should you sing unto the lord a new song for he has done Marvelous things. He's done marvelous things. This is why uh, everyone must sing. His right hand and his holy arm have gotten him the victory. This is Israel rejoicing. Israel is rejoicing that God has come through for them. God has come through. And despite, you know, we walk by faith, not by sight. Despite all evidence to the contrary. God has come through for Israel. His right hand and his holy arm has gotten him the victory. And then we go to verse 2. The Lord has made known his salvation. So now the Lord's salvation is known. He says, the Lord has made known his salvation. His righteousness has he openly shown in the sight of the heathen this this the salvation has to do with israel this this is not some generic psalm that we read and say it's good to know the lord and it's good to be saved and there's so many people who aren't christian and they're not saved that's not what this is saying at all as we read the psalms in context line by line this is the victory that has been given to israel and he he has shown this salvation to israel in the sight of all the heathen. Remember, all nations have agreed to surround Jerusalem and to remove the Jews, to destroy the Jews and completely remove them from Jerusalem. And Judah is hated all over the world. And anybody who understands God's agenda and is is proclaiming this good news of God's agenda, we are hated. And, and, and God says, you'll be hated for my name's sake all over the world. And now God has come through. And all these heathen, it says, when, when we see him in the clouds, Judah will rejoice. They will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But the tribes of the earth shall mourn. And now, now they see, they had the wrong narrative in their head. They were operating according to wrong uh, beliefs. And now they see the truth that salvation belongs to Israel. And God is the God of Jacob. Now, this same singing, this theme of singing is throughout the book of Isaiah. But here in Isaiah 63 and verse 1, he says, so notice here it says, his right, so he says here, um, his right hand and his holy arm have gotten him the victory. Here in Isaiah 63 and verse 1, who is this that comes from Edom with dyed garments from Bozra? So God, when he comes, he takes care of Edom. And think of Malachi chapter 1, then even though the Edomites think that they can rebuild, God says, no, it's over for them. Uh, with dyed garments from Basra, this that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength, I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. When Judah finally realized there's no hope, there's nothing that they can do, there's nobody that can help them, their only hope is Jehovah. 
That's when they turn to him finally and call upon his name. And he is mighty to save. Why are you red in your apparel? So the prophet is now asking, well, why are you red in your apparel? And your garments like him that treads in the wine fat. Why is that? Now God answers, I have trodden the winepress alone. And of the people, there was none with me. For I will tread them in my anger. When God is, when God comes, he's going to tread human beings in his wrath and his anger. And the righteous servants of God, the faithful teachers of God, are going to be warning the world and warning his people of this wrath. God is not coming with, with, you know, smiles and giggles. And anybody who's preaching that kind of God is a false teacher. That the world is in a state and it's going from bad to worse. And it offends God. God is offended. And when he comes, he's coming in wrath. And so we see here that he has trodden the winepress alone. And of the people, there was none with him. He's the only one that can perform this work. I'm just seeing my voice seems a bit loud. So I'll just turn this down a bit. For I will tread them in my anger and trample them in my fury. Do we understand who Jesus Christ is? Do we understand what he's, what, when he comes, what he's going to accomplish? And their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. Why is he so angry? Because his heritage, his inheritance is being spoiled. And God allows it so that they can be driven to repentance, but he is angry. And he is coming for his inheritance. And these people that are causing this trouble are going to be destroyed. For the day of vengeance is in my heart. This is what's in God's heart. And the year of my redeemed has come. This is why Isaiah says, speak unto uh, Judah and say, your God reigns. Speak comfort to Jerusalem that her warfare is accomplished. And now the day of vengeance is in God's heart. And the year of his redeemed has come. And I looked and there was none to help. And I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore, what did the psalm say about God's arm? Therefore, my own arm brought salvation unto me, and my fury, it upheld me. God is coming with a great work, and he's going to destroy a lot of human beings, and he is very purposeful. He's coming to redeem Judah, he's coming to redeem Israel, and he's coming to subjugate the heathen, and to show the heathen that he is God. And I will tread down the people in my anger. This is Jesus Christ. This is the Christ we worship. And this is the Christ that we warn the world. Go ahead and insult him. Go ahead and be afraid of Muhammad and say whatever you want about God. And this, this imbecile, this lunatic in, in the uh, Senate, I believe it was in the Senate, uh, who ends his prayer with a man and a woman. What, what a complete drunk imbecile. But that's, that's nothing. That's just foolishness. The blasphemy is what he said before he said a man and a woman. Appraising this, this Baal, idolatry, right in the government of uh, America, whom, whom God has blessed. And they can say whatever they want and dismiss Jesus Christ. Go ahead at your own risk. And they won't say a word about Muhammad. They dare not say anything about Muhammad because they're terrified of Muhammadans. But they say whatever they want about Christ. And yeah, well, you wait. Christ is coming and he's coming in fury. And I will tread down these people in my anger and make them drunk in my fury. And I will bring down their strength to the earth. So they have a strength. And we have to accept this. 
We have to accept that around the world, they're going to be flexing their muscles and they have a strength and we accept that. And we look for the God of vengeance, the God of justice, and he's coming. In Zechariah 12 and verse 8, he says, in that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. This is what Jesus Christ is coming to do. He's coming to defend. First, he has to allow Jerusalem to go through the abomination that makes desolate and to be driven to true repentance. And somebody needs to be proclaiming the good news, the true gospel, the gospel that Christ taught. Somebody needs to be proclaiming this good news, not only to Jerusalem, but all around the world, not only to Judah, but also to Gentiles. And the true narrative needs to be spoken. And, and and God will come and fulfill every word that he has promised. In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. That's what's on his agenda. That's his priority. And he that is feeble, a Jew, a Jew, a, a feeble Jew, he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David. God is coming to strengthen and embolden Judah. And the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. So back to Psalm 98 again, the Lord has made known his salvation. His righteousness has he openly shown in the sight of the heathen because his salvation is the salvation of Israel. His redemption is the redemption of Israel. And I, I'm, I'm just, I can't stand a, a gospel narrative that completely dismisses Israel. A gospel narrative that completely dismisses Judah. A gospel narrative that somehow makes the Gentile church the focus of God and completely dismisses the covenant people. This is false doctrine. God has an agenda. God has a priority. God has a zeal. And we, who are called into the body of Christ, share that zeal. We want what God wants. And he's going to make his salvation known, and it's going to be shown openly in the sight of the heathen, the Gentiles. Verse 3, he has remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. Is there any doubt? Is, 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 you know, what, what else must we say or do so that Christians can stop preaching a gospel that excludes Judah? What more must we say for us to stop preaching a gospel that excludes the house of Israel. Here is the enthronement of God. And what is top of mind? The redemption of Israel. He's remembered his mercy. So, so book four, uh, book three, sorry, ended with the covenant people saying, God, you've forgotten us. You, you've, you've forgotten the covenant. You've thrown us away. Well, well, we, we don't understand. And, and they have to understand, yeah, your iniquity caused this. Your iniquity caused this, but God is faithful, and he has remembered the same way he remembered Noah. He has remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel because of this covenant relationship, this chesed that he has with Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So, so verse 2 and verse 3 are saying the same thing, that the Lord has made known his salvation, his righteousness, the doing what is right, doing what is covenant truth, he's openly shown this in the sight of the heathen. How can you say that this has anything to do other than to do with the covenant with Israel? Well, if you were to say that, well, then verse 3 negates anything that any other narrative. Verse 3 is just amplifying what, what verse 2 is about. 
that he's remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. And the heathen are going to see this. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So when Jesus Christ returns, every eye shall see him. He's going to return to the Mount of Olives. He's going to redeem his people from the four corners of the earth. The whole earth is going to watch this. And this is coming immediately after. The whole earth has agreed together to destroy Jerusalem, to destroy Judah. If you're a Jew in, in Judea, in Jerusalem specifically at this time, Christ says to you, run for your life. If you're a pregnant woman or you're giving suck at this time, there will be no mercy for you. Run for your life. Just just run to the wilderness because the people are going to be ruthless in their hatred toward the covenant people. And when God, when Jesus Christ returns, he's returning to stamp out that hatred. And whatever doctrine they had in their mind that, that believed they, they thought that they were doing right, they thought that they were worshiping, worshiping God, well, they were worshiping a false god. They were worshiping Baal. In Deuteronomy 30, that's what, that's this, everything amplifies Torah. And this is what Moses said, that then when they finally are driven to repentance and, and the Deuteronomic curses are upon them, and they finally repent, that then the Lord your God will turn, will end your captivity and have compassion on you. That's what we're reading here when it says he remembers his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel, that when they finally repent, he'll have compassion upon them and will return and gather these physical people from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you because of breaking the covenant. In Isaiah 45 and 21, he says, tell you and bring them near. Yes, let them take counsel together. Let them take counsel together who have declared this from ancient time. Let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? So this is a controversy with the heathen. Who has told it from that time? Have not I, the Lord, and there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. So whatever doctrine people have, that excludes this covenant relationship that God has with Israel, it's all false. Because God has declared from ancient time what he's going to do for Israel. He says to Israel, look unto me and be you saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. So he's going to show this openly in the sight of the heathen. And they all have to acknowledge the God of the universe is the God of Israel. And then all over the world, they'll be saying, oh, there's a Jew. Let's follow that Jew to Jerusalem. And and Jew, the Jew will have a high status all over the earth. He'll go from the lowest status on the earth to the highest because of Jesus Christ. He says in verse um, 23, I have sworn by myself. This is what God said. I've sworn by myself. The word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. So this is why uh, Psalm says that he's going to show his righteousness to the nation. Well, what is his righteousness? His righteousness is his his truth. That what he speaks, he does. What he promises, he does. It's it's uh it, it's something that he cannot reverse. The, the, the thing's gone out of his mouth. The word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. That unto me every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall swear. So when he comes, all the heathen are going to bow down to him and understand who he is. The psalm continues, Psalm 98, verse 4. 
make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All the earth. This is the psalm. This is the psalm celebrating the victory of the Lord in Israel. It's a psalm celebrating the redemption of Israel. And the psalmist is now saying, even though it's Israel's redemption and Israel's rejoicing, the psalmist is saying that the whole earth should, should, should erupt into this wonderful celebration. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All the earth, the whole globe, the whole planet, make a loud noise. Don't, don't restrain yourself. Let it loose. Completely uh, erupt in joy. The whole earth. And rejoice and sing praise. And, and in Isaiah 25, he tells us that the Lord himself is going to host a party. He's going to put on a big party and everybody's invited. He says in Psalm, in Isaiah 25 and verse 6, And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast, a celebration of fat things, it's the best meats, the best wine, the best of everything. It's time to celebrate because the Lord has redeemed his people. So he says here, And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people, all people of the earth, time to rejoice, everybody, make music, make joy, shout, sing, play on your instruments, uh, just exude nothing but joy. Because God is on earth and he has redeemed his people. And now the earth is, is righteous. Instead of imbeciles and idiots being in, in positions of government, I think, what do they call it? Kleptocracy. Instead of being subject to a kleptocracy, we can now have a theocracy of the true God. Uh, this, this, this celebration, this party, all people of the earth are invited. A feast of wines on the lees, of fat, fat things full of marrow, of wines on the lees well refined. God, when, when he's hosting a party, you get the best of everything. He says, and he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people. This is what Satan has done. The great deceiver that these people have been laboring so hard to work against the agenda of God. And now when God is on earth and he throws this party, he has removed the deception and the veil that is spread over all nations. So instead of hating Judah, instead of hating Israel, they'll finally understand what God is doing and how the um, acknowledgement of Judah and Israel is a blessing to the whole. It's an eternal blessing. The house of Jacob is an eternal blessing to the whole world. He says that he'll destroy this deception over all the nations. He will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. It's all of this suffering and pain and turmoil and chaos. It's going to be over. It's going to be time to party. It's going to be time to celebrate. It's going to be time to honor Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow to him. The, all the heathen will acknowledge Israel and, and will come and, and bring offerings to God. And that will be processed through Israel and the first fruits will be overseeing all of this, this whole operation with Jesus Christ. He says, um, he will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord will wipe away tears from... Oh, I forgot to say, brethren, I just realized, I am no longer wearing this brace. The, the brace that I've been wearing for six, seven months. Uh, thank you for your prayers. 
Uh, now I, I just wear it at night. There's just a little hint of uh, the injury left. Uh, so I just wear it. I think in another week I should be free from this injury. But, boy, I, I was afraid I'd have to have surgery, that I'd be out of commission. I appreciate your prayers, and I forgot to thank you for that. Uh, so thank you. And uh, it just, just came to me as I was moving my hands. Uh, so he's going to wipe away all these tears and the rebuke off his people. So there's been this controversy in the earth and the, the, the people of the covenant have been rebuked. They've been, they've been humiliated. They've been subjugated and he's going to remove the deception. He's going to remove all the suffering and the sadness and the sorrow from everybody. And he's going to take the rebuke, the shame away from his people and the rebuke of his people. He shall take away from off all the earth. For the Lord has spoken it. This is, he's spoken it. It can't be reversed. And his people have been scattered all over the world. They've been enslaved all over the world. They've been humiliated all over the world. That's over now. When Jesus Christ is on earth, all of that is over. And it shall be said in that day. So who's going to say this? This is Judah speaking. This is Israel speaking. It shall be said in that day, after all of this great tribulation, this, this targeted humiliation, when Christ returns and, and the, 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 the people of uh, the covenant look for him and rejoice in his return and the tribes of the earth mourn because of him, it shall be said in that day, lo, this is our God and we have waited for him and we, the first fruits Israel, will be saying this as well. And all those people who were um, impatient and wanted to push for mankind's justice mankind's wickedness which they veil and and dress up with pretty rhetoric and pretend it's justice all of those people are going to be shown to be hypocrites and are going to be shown to be actually opposing the agenda of god and all those who were just patient and this is why we warn brethren this is why we warn all those who are patient and said no god is a god of justice we will wait for him this is the time of our rejoicing it shall be said in that day lo this is our god we have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord, Jehovah. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And this is, this is the celebration now. This is the party that God is, is, is throwing. And these psalms that we're re- reviewing now, many of these psalms, I believe, will be put to the most uh, beautiful music. And, and the depth of these psalms, which we're just scratching the surface now because we've decided to sit down and read line by line and get everything in context. And we're seeing things that maybe we didn't see before. But this is just scratching the surface. This is just sort of laying the foundation for further investigation. And as, as time unfolds, and certainly when Jesus Christ returns, the psalms are going to open up completely. And, and when the veil is lifted from all, everybody, the Psalms are going to be wide open and, and, and the most talented musicians who are going to be so inspired by the presence of Jesus on earth, they're going to take these Psalms and put them to the most exquisite music. And so to the nations, the whole world, Israel and the whole world, sing unto the Lord with the harp, with the harp and with the voice of a Psalm. So, and maybe new Psalms will be written as well. But certainly there's a lot of depth in these psalms and there's a story, there's a narrative that these psalms tell that can be set to the most beautiful music. With trumpets and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. And, you know, people say uh, uh, the God of the Bible, Yehovah, and Allah, the God of the Quran, 
are the same God. This is like only people who have read neither um, of these documents could possibly say this. Because the more we dig into these scriptures, Quran and the Hebrew Bible and the apostolic writings and the book of Revelation, the more we dig in, the more these things have. In fact, I, shouldn't say, I was going to say they have nothing to do with each other. That's not true. The more we see that the Quran fits completely in the prophetic word of the, the, the Hebrew scriptures, that those things that are prophesied in the Hebrew scriptures are fulfilled by those who are following, following the instructions of Quran. But the God of Quran hates music. Music is haram. And the God of the Bible wants the whole world to erupt in a party full of music. The God of Quran hates wine. The God of the Bible is going to serve the best wine to the whole earth. <laughs> They're not the same gods. Yeah, not at all. Uh, let the sea roar and the full. Uh, so did I, did I, no, let me go back to uh, with trumpets and sound of cornet. Make a joyful noise before the Lord, the king. He's been enthroned. And you can just imagine the, the trumpet blasts. Just imagine it, brethren, the trumpet blasts. that are. I, I think they'll shake the earth. The joy, the exuberance that, that people are just uninhibited in their joy over the Lord. Before the Lord, the king. And let the sea roar and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So the whole creation... Romans 8 has been waiting for this moment, and the whole creation is going to be full of joy. Let the floods clap hands, let the floods clap their hands, let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. This is the justice we're looking for. And all of the uh, oppression, corruption, fraud, Power, power mongering. He's coming to judge all of this. And you know what? We're just going to step aside. We're going to get down on our knees and we're just going to pray and look for him. And we will suffer whatever is, comes before us. The world is changing rapidly. We understand that. But we also understand it is accelerating toward the enthronement of Jesus Christ on earth. Jesus Christ is going to be on earth. And every human being will know that the Creator dwells in Jerusalem. And so we will wait. We will wait. Do your worst. It's not going to move us. We, we are steadfast. We are steadfast in this hope and this joy and this realization of, of just how big this is, this, this, this covenant agenda that we are a part of. It's just so big. So we're, we're just fixed before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth, which with righteousness shall he judge the world. The righteousness are the words that have gone out of his mouth. And he's going to compare the behavior of the world to those words that have gone from his mouth. That's the righteousness that he's going to judge with. And so Christians who claim, who put the name of Christ on themselves and then run around and chase Marxist agendas, well, as you chase the Marxist agenda, which is an agenda of destruction, it's an agenda of pretty rhetoric, 
followed by the worst destruction and, and the destruction of the human being made in God's image. So the Christian who calls himself by the name of Christ and then pursues and supports Marxist agenda of destruction and Satanism, well, those acts and those words that were spoken and done to support the Marxist satanic agenda, that's going to be compared to the words of God spoken through the prophets. And we're going to see, like, does it align with God's righteousness? Because with righteousness, the righteousness of his word, of the truth of his word, shall he judge the world and the people with equity. So that equity is to say, does it fit with his agenda? With, with equity. Let me just, uh, should have looked up the Hebrew for this. Mashar. So you can get this sense that, uh, you know, a- a- agreement, uprightness. So with, with, with a, probably a, a better, um, word for Mashar, that he will, um, better translation. He will, uh, judge the people with Mashar, with his uprightness. That everything he does is according to his word. Now in Jeremiah, this is, this is for us in this time, if we're going to be glorying, this is what Jeremiah says. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. <laughs> this is nothing to glory in. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glories glory in this. So brethren, this is our glory. It doesn't matter how wise people are. It doesn't matter how strong people are. It doesn't matter how rich people are. That's all good. Knock yourself out. I hope you enjoy it. We, we, we don't, we don't covet anything you have. Whatever you have, somebody has to have it. Why not you? Knock yourself out. All the best to you. We don't care. We're not, we're not going to look at your stuff and say, why do you have that? It's not fair. Let's steal it from you and give it to people who didn't earn it. No, take it. Knock yourself out. We don't glory in any of that. But let him that glories glory in this. That This is what we should glory in. That he understands and knows me. That, that we have been studying the word. And we've come into a relationship with Jesus. And we understand him. And we understand what he's doing. And we love, we, 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 he's remarkable. We, we've, there, there is no, there's, there's nothing that we can compare him to. But when we see his love, his creativity, his justice, and we understand him, there's just this thrill. There's just this, uh, we can't explain it. There's just this joy of understanding that we have. And this is what God says we should glory in. So the Christian who's, you know, uh, twisting themselves up because they don't have what somebody else has, clearly there's a lack there. There's a, there's something, there's a disconnection with Christ. Because once we're connected with Christ and we understand the vision, nothing on this earth matters. We do our best. We fulfill all our responsibilities. We work as hard as we can. The man who doesn't work shouldn't eat. If you don't work, if you don't look after your family, you're worse than an infidel. So, so we take these responsibilities seriously. But our joy, our glory is this. Let him that glory, glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, which exercises loving kindness. Chesed. That's what we're coming to understand as we study the Psalms. And despite the wickedness of his people, 
the, the, the evil, pure evil of his people. He is faithful. The wife is unfaithful. But he does not leave the covenant. He remains true. Because once this, this, this covenant, once it's spoken, it's, it's eternally spoken. The, the covenant, and this is why we have marriage, which is for life. So that we can begin to understand this depth of commitment that God has made to Israel. That I'm the Lord which exercises chesed, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. That's what he does. For in these things I delight, says the Lord, Yehovah. These are the things that he delights in. And if we understand him, then this is what, as we look out, as we look out onto the earth and the, the despicable state that it's in, we know that he's coming. And we know what he delights in. And so we're not going to get caught up in the things that he does not delight in. Back now to Psalm. So that was Psalm 98. Let's now look at Psalm 99. And Psalm 99 is going to introduce one of the questions that came uh, this week. So I'll answer that in this um, psalm. So Psalm 99, again, an enthronement psalm. The Lord reigns. Let the people tremble. He's here on earth now. Stop the nonsense. We don't want to hear any more of social justice, reproductive justice, family justice, racial justice, nonsense, you know, plug in the adjective justice. We don't want to hear it anymore. Stop it. The Lord is here. And now we have true justice. We don't want to hear anymore. Allahu Akbar. Yehovah is here. And now we know the true God. Stop it, you, you human beings. Stop it. The Lord reigns. Fear his name. Let the people tremble. He sits between the cherubim. Let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion. He is great in... Where is he great? In New York? Is he great in London, UK? In Paris? In Pasadena? The Lord is great in Zion. And he is high above all the people. There's, there's one high spot on the earth, and it's in Zion. In Isaiah 2 and verse 2, he says, It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. He's going to be the highest and shall be exalted above the hills. And this, from this height shall all nations come and flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come you, and let us go up. Everybody has to go up, because this will be the highest spot on earth. Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of of the God of Jacob. Finally, all the heathen understand that the God of the universe, the creator, is the God of Jacob. And the whole world finally accepts this, that God has redeemed Jacob and he's the God of Jacob. So let's go there and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So this, when the psalm opens here, in Psalm 99, verse 2, well, the Lord reigns, but he reigns from Zion. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is high above all the people. And that's exactly what Isaiah sees here, that he's high above all the people, and the people are saying, let's go to the house of Jacob, let's go up the mountain. 
for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. This same Jerusalem that was surrounded by all the nations of the world. This same Jerusalem that the nations of the world believed that it was theirs and that they could do whatever they want and that they could remove the covenant people from it. From this same Jerusalem, the whole world now is out of the deception and they understand who God is and who his covenant people are, the descendants of Judah and the descendants of all the descendants of Jacob. Now the whole world understands. In Luke, again, in the, we look at the gospel message of Luke. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout. So he gets great recommendation here, great commendation. And he was waiting for what? What was he waiting for? Was he waiting to go to heaven? Was he waiting to sit on puffy clouds and, and play a harp? This righteous man who understood the scriptures, and as he read the scriptures, and we come now into, quote-unquote, the New Testament, what is he waiting for? He's waiting for the comfort of Israel. This, this comfort that is promised in the scriptures. That's what he was waiting for. And notice this Jew, the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit is not some new Christian thing. The Holy Spirit has been active since creation. And the, 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 the ancient Israelites and the ancient Judahites, they understood the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moved in their community. And here is no exception. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And through the Holy Spirit, it was revealed unto him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. So the Spirit led him into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, that is to have him circumcised, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, notice what he says, Lord. Now he would have said, Jehovah. Now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. So he's waiting for the comfort of Israel. And now he sees Jesus and he says, now I can die. Because you promised me that I wouldn't die until I saw your salvation. Now I'm looking at this baby and I understand this is the Messiah. And the Messiah is coming to redeem Israel. This is the comfort of Israel. So now I can die. And he's speaking all of this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. My eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all people. This is exactly what we just read in the Psalms, Psalm 98, that the salvation is going to be in front of all the people, all the Gentiles, all the, the heathen are going to see the salvation, the redemption of Israel. A light to light the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. It's not the glory of the Gentiles. It's just going to be a light that the, the veil will be lifted from the Gentiles and they will finally come and flow to Zion to learn the law of God. But the salvation is the glory and the comfort of Israel, Israel. So back to Psalm 98 and verse 3. Let them praise your great and terrible name, for it is holy. It is holy. Now, this brings the question that I received last week, and it was, you know, it was kind of a statement, really, that uh, they noticed that I will say Yehovah. 
and it was like, what is this Yehovah? It sounds like you're kind of mixing Jehovah and Yahweh, and this is some kind of pagan thing you're doing, and it's terrible. You should not do this. Well, much to the contrary, Yehovah is the name of God, and I'll show you that. Now, Yahweh, there's no real scriptural support or historical support for this pronunciation, but there is for Yehovah. Now, let me just unpack this a bit. When you study Hebrew, when the Jews are teaching Hebrew, whenever it comes to the tetragrammaton, the the four consonants of God's name, they will never pronounce it. It's so holy. You see here, it says it's holy. It's so holy that they will not pronounce it. Instead, they will substitute Adonai. So they'll be reading the scripture, reading the scripture. There is Yehovah. And instead of saying Yehovah, they will say Adonai. And it's serious. You know, these Orthodox, they'll probably put you to death if you actually say Yehovah. Because they have this edict that the name of God is so holy, it must not be pronounced. What utter rubbish. Utter rubbish. I mean, we go to the Jews to learn Hebrew. We want to learn the Hebrew. We go to the Jews to maybe learn a bit of historical context. But we don't go to the Jews to learn how to worship God because they have rejected him. And this, you know, this um, edict that you must never say the Tetragrammaton, where does that come from? Who, who am I turning to, to to say, okay, yeah, I'm in. Whenever I see Yehovah, I will say Adonai. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, I don't follow men. We ought to obey God rather than men. And the psalmist says here, let. So yes, it's holy. The psalm says it's holy. The name is holy. But what does he say before he says that the name is holy? He says, let them praise. Who's them? In, in Psalm 98 and verse 2, we're talking about the, the, the people of the world. Let them praise your great and terrible name. It's quite the contrary. The psalmist is, is, is not saying, don't, whenever you see his name, say Adonai, which is not his name. It's, it's one of his titles. So whenever you see his name, don't say his name, say his title. That's not what the psalmist is saying. The psalmist is saying, let the people praise your great and terrible name, for it is holy. In other words, bring the whole world into the worship of Jehovah. Now, let me just spend a moment to talk about the pronunciation, Yehovah. So this is, if we were to um, write this out, uh, we will see, going from right to left, we'll see the Hebrew letter Yod. We will see the Hebrew letter He. We will see the Vav. And we'll see the Hebrew letter He. Now, when the Hebrew was originally written, or the Hebrew language when it was first developed, and it came from the Canaanite, the proto-Canaanite language. They were the ones that uh, came to come up with this. You know, the world was very uh, oral tradition, and these Canaanites uh, came up with this novel concept of creating an alphabet. And to do that, they would basically um, create symbols that, for example, an ox, the way that they would say ox, whatever that word was, so they drew the head of an ox. 
And whenever you saw the head of an ox, you would just say the, the whatever the first sound was that that symbol meant. So ah, ah, that meant ah. And then they would, you know, uh, draw water. And whatever the word was, uh, began with an M. Uh, so I think in Hebrew it's Meshaim. But, uh, uh, whatever that word was, the M kind of looked like w- waves of water. So whenever you saw waves of water, you would say, mm, ma. Whenever you saw an ox head, you would say, ah. So ma. So they could create words by creating these symbols. And from these symbols, they then developed this alphabet. That alphabet then evolved into Hebrew. Hebrew eventually evolved into Greek. Greek into ultimately into English. So our letter A goes back to the Greek alpha, which goes back to the Hebrew Aleph, Aleph, which goes back to the Proto-Canaanites. So this is how the language evolved. Now, when the Hebrew language evolved, unlike Greek, which came after it, it did not have any vowels. But because it was such a strong oral tradition, when people wrote down the, the scriptures, these scriptures were memorized anyway. And within the context, everybody could understand how to say these words. But um, through persecution and, and you know, a lot of people being killed, etc., a lot of these scribes who, who had these scriptures memorized, they were obviously killed off. The elite continued to understand, but there were so few of them that people began to pick up the texts and they didn't know how to pronounce things anymore. They didn't know without the vowels what word is this? If I see, um, if I see the word H and then the, the consonant H, a space, and then the consonant T, is the word hit? Is it hat? Is it hot? Is it hut? What is this word? Well, you know, from the context, I should know, oh, it's talking about a hat. So therefore, I just know it's hat, even though I don't have a vowel. But some people, even with the context, they don't know. Is it hut? Is it hat? Is it hit? They don't know. Is it hot? So then... The scribes came up with this really great invention. There's no way they're going to rewrite the text. The text is inspired text. They're not going to touch it. So instead, they came up with a vowel system that they added into the language afterward. And the, 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 the vowel system would, would decorate the consonants. So that way they didn't have to touch the sacred text. They could just supplement it with vowels. So under the, um, the yod, They'll put shiva. And that gives us the eh, as in egg. Then we have, so that, that's the yeh. Then we have the heh sound. But then they'll see the, the uh, holem here gives us the o sound. So we've got yeho. Then we have the vav, which is va. And under the vav, they'll put kamats. So if we, and I'll, I'll show you that in a moment. So when you look at the vowels, that go with the tetragrammaton, then we can see that it's Yehovah. And, and there's some, you know, bit of question around the Vav to say, do you say Va or do you say Wa? So some say Va, some say Wa. Uh, for me, I say Va simply because if I go to uh, the very beginning of the book, Genesis 1, if I look at the Hebrew, in Genesis 1. And I see this here. Bereshit, bara, Elohim, et, hashamayim, va, et, ha'aretz. So this vav, whenever I hear the rabbis pronounce this, they don't say wa, et, they say va, et. 
So this is why when I look at the tetragrammaton and I see the valve there, I prefer to say the way it's it's the, the scriptures are read with va sound. But some will say no, it's wa. Uh, I'm not sure which one is, is is precedes the other. So it's either Yehovah or Yehovah. So this notion that by saying Yehovah that we are somehow uh, mixing Jehovah and Yahweh, <laughs> and that this is a pagan thing to do, uh, in fact, it's the exact opposite. There, there is no evidence that the Tetragrammaton is pronounced as Yahweh. This is something that, out of confusion, people don't know. They come up with something, yes, Yahweh. But this is not what the, 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 the vowels support. Yehovah or Yahweh. There's no, the Yod would never make the sound Jah. The Yad doesn't give us ja. Yad is ya. And then the het or the he, Yaho, Yaho, Yahovah, Yahovah. This is his name. Now these Jews that forbid anybody from saying Yahovah, who are you to command the exact opposite of what the Lord commands? The Lord commands Praise his great and terrible name. And let's just go through some scriptures here quickly to show how misguided our Jewish brothers and sisters are. In Isaiah 12 and verse 4, And in that day, the prophet says, shall you say, praise Yehovah. This is in that day. They're going to say this. They're not going to say praise Adonai. In that day, praise Yehovah. Call upon his name. Call upon his name. And, and what is his name? Yehovah. And you'll just see here down at the bottom, uh, Lord is, is Hebrew 3068. And you'll see there's the Ya, the Shiva under the Ya. That's the Ya sound. Then we've got He. Then we have the Vav, but you see the Holem, which is the O sound just above the Va. And you'll see the Kamats, which is the A sound right under the Vav. And then the He. Yehovah. Yehovah. That is his name. And so obviously anybody who is saying this, and I really appreciate the question because it was answered, it was questioned, raised very sincerely with the best uh, attitude. Uh, really appreciate that. And somebody who's very sincere, like, hey, I think you're making, you're twisting Jehovah and Yahweh. And uh, okay, but let's study the Hebrew so that we can understand when, when we read the English Bible, we're not reading the Bible. We're reading someone's translation and interpretation. This is why we have to get to the original language and, and those uh, the text in the, the apostolic writings that are written in Greek, we need to get to the original language so that we can understand what exactly was said here. So in that day, shall you say, praise Jehovah, call upon his name. Don't listen to the rabbis who are forbidding you to call his name because they are men that don't have a clue. You know, because they were persecuted by the Romans and the Romans forbade the, the, the declaration of his name. Then in a sense, they were in collusion with the pagans to say, yeah, let's forbid his name because we don't want trouble with the Romans. Praise Yehovah. Call upon his, call upon his name. Yehovah. Call upon his name. Declare his doings. Let's make sure it's clear. The God of the universe is not Allah. It's not Brahma, it's not Baal, it's Yehovah. 
Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. We need to let them know Yehovah is exalted. In Exodus 6 and verse 1, Then the Lord said unto Moshe, Now shall you see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said unto him, I am Yehovah. So Moses knew who he was. I am Yehovah. God wants to be known. This is, this is my name. I am Yehovah. And I appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, El Shaddai. But by my name, Yehovah, was I not known to them. And there's no such thing as Yod. yod the Yod never makes the just sound. Yod is Yah. But by my name, Yehovah, was I not known to them. But now I'm going to be known by my name. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. So he wants them to know him by his name, Yehovah. And here in Ruth 2 and verse 4, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, Yehovah be with you. And the reapers answered him and said, Yehovah bless you. So where are these Jews getting this? That you must never say Yehovah. Here's a conversation between Boaz and the reapers. And he says to the reapers, Yehovah be with you. And the reapers answer him, Yehovah bless you. Uh, this, oh, you must, the, the name is so holy, you must never say it. Stop the nonsense. Let the people praise your name because it's terrible and holy. In Deuteronomy 6 and verse 13, you shall fear Yehovah, your God, and serve him. And this is what you shall do. You shall swear by his name, Yehovah. So when you swear, swear by his name, Yehovah. Now, before he revealed his name, he says here in Exodus 3.14, that God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, you shall say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. That is very interesting. Because when we look at the root, the Hebraic root words of Yehovah, it actually breaks down into uh, he is or, or I am. Sorry, it breaks down into I, I was, I am, and I will be. So there are three roots inside Yehovah, and that's what they broke, that, that's the root of the language, that's the meaning of the name. Every, every Hebrew name has a deep meaning. Every, every, there's no such thing as a Hebrew name that's just random. Every Hebrew name has a deep meaning. And Yehovah means, I was, I am, and I will be. Those are the roots of the word Yehovah. And so here he reveals part of this root that I am. Or even you could say, I will be. Now that brings to mind Revelation 1 and verse 4. We go to the end of the story when John is writing to the seven churches in Asia, grace be unto you and peace. From who? From him which is and which was and which is to come. Yehovah. And from the seven spirits from his, which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. So, Jesus Christ is separate and apart from the first greeting, which is him that is, and which was, 
and which is to come. That's Yehovah. In Joshua 9 and verse 8, they said unto Joshua, Where are your servants? And uh, so we are your servants. So these, these, these um, Gentiles come to Joshua and say, We're your servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are you? And where did you come from? And they said unto him, From a very far country, really far away we came. From a very far country, your servants are come. Why? Because of the name of Yehovah, your God. How is it that the Gentiles know Yehovah? Unless it was published. It was widely known. That even the Gentiles knew this Yehovah. We have to serve him. We came from a far country. Uh, your servants are come because of the name. And I don't believe they actually did come from a far country. But they came because of the name of Yehovah, your God. For we have heard of the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt. So obviously Yehovah was being published and they knew it. In Isaiah 42 and verse 8, I am Yehovah. That is my name. Is this something that God doesn't want people to know? I am Yehovah. That is my name. And my glory will I not give to another. Neither my praise to graven images. In Jeremiah 12 and verse 16, it shall come to pass if they will diligently learn the ways of my people, speaking now of the Gentile world, if they will diligently learn the ways of the covenant people to do what? What are the Gentiles to do as they diligently learn the ways of the Lord to swear by my name? And how should they swear by his name? Yehovah lives. Never say Yehovah. Say Adonai. Whenever you see Yehovah, substitute that with his title, Adonai. Because it is a grave sin to say Yehovah. Where do they, this is, this is Talmud. We, don't, we are not followers of Talmud. We are followers of the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible. We are followers of God. We don't care about, we don't, we, we couldn't care less what's in the Talmud. I, I would, I would, personally, I would love to see every Talmud burnt. False teachings. Let's stick to Torah. Let's stick to the let's let's, let's stick to the, the Hebrew uh, scriptures. It shall come to pass if the pagans, if the heathens, will repent and will diligently learn the ways of the covenant people. And part of those ways are what to swear by my name. How should they swear by my name? Yehovah lives. As they taught my people to swear by Baal, so, so the Gentiles taught my people to swear by Baal, which means Lord, or, or which also means Adonai, Lord, Master. Uh, so the Gentiles taught my people to swear by Baal. Now they must repent and learn from my people how to swear by Yehovah. Then shall they be built in the midst of my people. So the whole world is going to understand the blessing of the covenant people on the earth. In Hosea 12 and verse 5, uh, even the Lord God of hosts, Yehovah is his memorial. First Chronicles 16 and verse 2, when David had made an end of offering the burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people publicly. All the people are there. How did he bless them? In the name of Yehovah. Joel 2.32, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of Yehovah. <laughs> we, we, must, we, we don't follow rabbis. We follow Christ. We follow the scriptures. 
It shall come to pass in the future now, just ahead of us, that whosoever shall call on the name of Yehovah shall be delivered. So somebody has to be publishing the truth. Somebody has to be declaring the name. And and all nations will, will be hated by all nations because of his name. But we will be publishing it and telling the world what God is doing. That, 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 that whosoever then shall call on the name of Yehovah shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as Yehovah has said, and in the remnant whom Yehovah shall call. In Psalm 45:17, I will make your name, Hashem, to be remembered in all generations. We will make sure that all generations know the name of Yehovah. Therefore shall the people praise you forever and ever, and they shall praise you by your name, Yehovah. Pour out your wrath upon the heathen, Psalm 79, verse 6, that have not known you. They, they, these heathen haven't known you. Pour out your wrath upon them. And upon the kingdoms that have not called upon your name. How can they call upon his name if it's not known? Somebody is saying to the whole world, this is the true God. This is the true gospel. This is what's happening. And then whole kingdoms are repenting. And coming under the name of Yehovah. And those that don't, upon them shall be no rain. Psalm 91 verse 14. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high. Why? Because he has known my name. We have to know his name. Yehovah. He that was, that is, and that will be. The eternal. Psalm 91 verse 15. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And and we have to proclaim this good news so that the covenant people who go through this time of tribulation, the likes of which the world has never seen, will finally know to turn to him and call upon his name, Yehovah. Psalm 99 and verse 4. The king's strength also loves judgment. You do establish ex- equity. You execute judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt you, Yehovah, our God. Come on, everybody, exalt Yehovah, our God, and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. We come back to Psalm 99, uh, verse 6. Moses and Aaron among his priests, and Samuel among them that call upon his name. When they are functioning in the role of priest before the people, they are calling out and swearing by and blessing the people in the name Yehovah. So Moses and Aaron and Samuel, among them that call upon Yehovah. They called upon Yehovah, and he answered them. And, and, and they're not calling upon him secretly. All the people are there in front of him, and they are shouting out, Yehovah! Hallelujah! Praise be to Yehovah! And so all the people know his name. And then when they greet each other, blessings to you in the name of Yehovah. So these Jews that make up this superstition that you cannot say the name. No, we praise the name, Yehovah. He spoke unto them in the cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies and the ordinance that he gave them. Part of that being to swear by the name of the Lord. You answered them, O Yehovah, our God. You were a God that forgave them though you took vengeance of their inventions. So clearly this phrasing, if you search the scriptures, it has to do with sinfulness. 
So when God, when people, men have their inventions, they're they're deviating from God, even though these men are holy. Uh, we know Moses and Aaron, that it's documented that they sinned. There's no record of Samuel's sin, but he was a man. He was not a perfect man. So the, 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 the acknowledgement here is these are men that called upon Jehovah. And although they sinned and that was dealt with and they repented of that, uh, God still forgave them and dealt with them. Exalt Yehovah our God. There's, there's, there's only one God. And again, you know, a, a man and a woman, this imbecile, uh, but the God that he's praising before he says a man and a woman, this is blasphemy. And, and we, we are not fooling around here. Jesus Christ is the God we worship. Yehovah is the creator. We worship Yehovah. He that was and is and will be the eternal. So we don't want to be mixed up here. We don't want to just say this sort of generic God that, you know, let's all human beings in this ecumenical way. Let's all hold hands and hug and let's all kind of worship this sort of uh, neutral God that we can all agree on. No, we can't all agree. Yehovah. Exalt Yehovah, our God, and worship at his holy hill. For Yehovah, our God, is holy. And let's just conclude just by reading Psalm 100. I think everything that we have... uh uh, covered in Psalm 98 and 99, Psalm 100, I think, will be straightforward for us. It's a psalm of praise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. We've just covered all of that. Like, burst out into exuberant joy and express that in music and song and with instruments. Make a joyful noise unto Jehovah, all you lands, the whole earth. Serve Jehovah with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. So when they when they come from all over the world to go up to the mountain to learn the way of God, they're to come before him with singing. Know you that Yehovah, he is God. Let's not get confused. There's only one God, Yehovah. Know that he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. So picture them coming from all over the world as Jesus Christ is now enthroned in Jerusalem, in Zion. And they are coming from all over. And the the gates are wide open. The gates are open 24-7. And Jerusalem is, is bright with the glory of the Lord. And they can now come and enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and do what? Bless his name all over the earth. Come to Jerusalem, singing praises to Yehovah. And bless the name of Yehovah, the Eternal. For Yehovah is good. His mercy, it's everlasting. And boy, does Israel ever know that. And when Israel takes on their priestly role in the earth, they, they are going to be so full of the praise of God for what he has done in faithfulness to his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yehovah is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. This is why we wait for him. This is why we will not allow men, whether Marxist, Muslim, Jew, Christian, atheist, we're not following any of them. We are stayed on Yehovah. We are stayed on the, the solid rock is what we stand on, brethren. And this God we serve. What a mighty God, mighty to save. He's mighty to save. And, and what a faithful God. He, he declares, 
He says, this is what I'm going to do. And even though he said it thousands of years ago, even though he said it in the Garden of Eden and declared it unto Eve, this truth that he speaks, once the word goes from his mouth and he makes this promise to Abraham, it's immutable. It's immutable. And so, brethren, this is why we wait for him. Because he's glorious, he's beautiful, he's faithful, and he's our God, Yehovah. Jesus Christ is Lord. What a mighty God we save. Amen.